Welcome to the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, hit the like button, or any subscribes. It really helps us with the algorithms. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is independent of Santa Cruz Guitar Company, and all opinions are those of the speakers. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is produced by the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. We invite you to join us on the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at SCGCPF for more fun. Now, let's get on with this installment of Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Greetings, forum members. We have podcast number 24 today, and we've left the world of the rock stars and moved into the world of the luthier stars, and we're so happy to welcome back Richard Hoover. So, Richard, welcome. Uh, we've got some forums from the questions, and questions from the forum, or forum from the questions, whatever it is, and uh, Tad's going to ask you, and... We'll just warn you folks right up front right now that um, Tad has a new puppy that might, yes. be, might be in his lap. So <laughs> if, deprived. So, so if, the, uh, too. If, if Tad's screen goes completely crazy and points to the ceiling, it's probably because he has a dog on his face. So <laughs> <laughs> that is we, too will, true. we will say good, good afternoon, Mr. Hoover, and um, let's go. Let's go. Nice to be with you guys. How have you been, Richard? How's everything going down there in Santa Cruz? You know, um, don't tell anybody, but um, uh, May is really our time of year, May and September. Uh, that's when the weather gets perfect. We can uh, pretty much go throughout the day without fog. And it's, a, it's skin temperature outside, and, and the colors are saturated. I was driving into work today, and I went, you know, I better pause and celebrate because there's nothing that's really wrong right now. So there's my description. I'm, I'm grateful nothing's wrong. Do you have any uh, um, uh, uh, poppies and lupin coming in from work, coming in from home? You know, I'm going to have to ask you to repeat that. I'll pull my volume up a little bit here. It said, do I have any poppies and lupas coming from home? That was it? On your drive in, do you, do you, do you get any? Oh, any yeah, yeah. They were poppies and lupins. Uh, you know, uh, when I took my uh, trip down to uh, Santa Monica with my dear friend Richard Newman, we were a little bit early and we didn't see that blast of uh, wildflowers through 198, the coastal hills. I got to go back and see that. It is nourishing, isn't it, to see yeah, that? So green, right, so green right now. And oh, yeah, vital. So beautiful. People can start a religion over springtime. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this year. Happy Pasha. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate so many of them start over winter. Yeah. <laughs> Time on their hands. So, that was a really nice article in Reverb. Um, thank you. I'm, uh, I, I haven't got around to reading that yet. There's that and the uh, connoisseur from the North American guitar that I haven't um, uh, read our Scott Law's beautiful podcast with you guys. Uh, so I got a lot to do. Hi, doggy. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. she's woken up, I'm afraid. All right. What's her name? Uh, well, she came from the SPCA named Fern. So you call her uh, Well, So we got to find something else because uh, Fern is a very hard name to yell at a dog across right. a great distance. Um, so I don't know. That's why we named our Labrador Taxi. 
That's a good one. Yeah. That's too bad it's taken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's. Although checker might work. Checker would work. <laughs> you, you have to call him Nixon, though, probably. Um, <laughs> what? Uh... Let's get into the questions, Tad. Let's yeah, see, let's see what we got here for questions for Richard. We won't take up his whole day with our with our silliness. Um, this is the most fun I'll have all day. Go right ahead. Yeah. So we had a question. I had a question. Ask me directly about bridge plate material. About bridge placement. Plate. Bridge plates. Bri bridge. Oh, bridge plates. Okay. Um, uh, let's just start with what they're for. You know, on a steel string pin bridge where the ball end of the string anchors underneath the top, uh, the uh, uh, wood used for the top to be resonant is usually uh, soft and not durable enough to hold that ball in through numerous string changes. And you'd actually wear through that. Um, so a, uh, uh, a piece of traditionally a hardwood like maple was used to allow those ball ends a, a bearing surface that wouldn't wear out. And, uh, you know, we go back and look historically, and usually it was a byproduct of woods that were already used by the maker. Um, in the case of Martin, we see uh, maple, and uh, we see that a lot in um, um, uh, other brands and other ones as well. As time went on, Martin changed to rosewood. And my speculation is because they no longer had maple in their inventories because they didn't make maple guitars. And it was just another um, you know, inventory item they had to buy, so they switched to rosewood. Now, maybe they have a much more colorful story, but uh, that's what I think. So um, for us, uh, the bridge plate is um, not only going to uh, wear well for the bridge pins, but also it's going to affect the sound of the top. And in our style of building, you know, we're we're choosing the uh, uh, density, the quality of the spruce for the braces. We're shaping them to, to control EQ, uh, response, harmonics, all of these things. And we don't want the bridge plate to interfere with that. So our choice is to have the bridge plate be kind of like the control in a scientific experiment. All of the braces are the variables and we change those but we want the bridge plate to always be the same so it doesn't throw a wild card into our uh, uh, strategies there. And uh, maple is really easy to pick and choose for a consistent density. Um, and we can usually do it about the same thickness uh, to get what we want. So maple's our choice. Also, it's cool because that's what they used to use in the olden days. And it works well for us. Now, it should be proportionate, of course, to the... Um, uh, to the size of the guitar and the size of the bracing. Otherwise, it could deaden it. And it doesn't need to be very thick. Again, it's just, it's a wear item. So it doesn't need to be uh, an eighth inch thick, thick. You know, two, two and a half millimeters, I think, is our spec on that. And that works well. So there's a good general answer on that. Uh, if somebody wanted to know more specifically, I'd be happy to answer. But uh, that's, there's my take on it. it I, I we're talking. Well, while we're talking about bridge plates, you want to, to make any mention of what people can do to keep their bridge plate in good shape and avoid having to uh, 
find out about getting a replacement or, or, you know, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really simple. Um, you know, if you, if you see your, uh, strings, uh, at the bridge first, which most people do, um, just seat the, all of them before you start tuning up any of them. That way you could get your hand in. And what you're looking for is that the ball in uh, seats against the bridge plate and it's not further down the bridge pin. The phenomena is you can put drop the ball in in the hole, push the bridge pin in and the, the ball in can actually catch on the very end of the bridge pin and hang you know a quarter of an inch below the surface of the bridge pin. Uh, that'll, that'll give you tuning problems as the string uh, stretches there. And if it does come loose and pop up to the bridge plate, it can give you a heart attack. Um, and seating <laughs> against the bridge pin is uh, uh, to, to make sure that it's got as much uh, bearing surface against it as you can, that it's not tilted and, and pushing up against an edge. If your bridge plate is already worried from previous uh, wear from the ball ends, you know, you'd want to seat it so it doesn't um, amplify that and create more problems. Uh, the, there's some really good solutions uh, for, um, for uh, dealing with a worn bridge plate. And most of the repairs are really beyond the uh, user-friendly mode. Um, uh, it should go to a, a, a qualified repair person to do that. Um, but if you have a guitar where uh, when you once you seat the bridge pin and tune it up, the windings of the wound string actually extend up and over the saddle. Um, that's not going to work. And what you can do is clip off the ball ends from previous strings and thread them on there. And that would give you, uh, take the winds back further and away from the saddle. So there, there's a beginning. Okay. Well, that's an interesting. Thanks for the lead in. Well, and, and I, as a follow-up to that, I assume that you have to hire luthiers with extremely small hands to get in there and make repairs on bridge plates, because that strikes me as one of probably one of the most difficult jobs one could uh, have in, in repair work. Well, uh, Tad, would you like to hold up a dime in your hand and show us what you're talking about? For scale? <laughs> <laughs> Not all of I us just... have that problem. <laughs> Well, I, I just know from trying to put a pickup in a guitar that uh, my hands were not meant for reaching inside there That's doing right. much of anything. <laughs> yeah, and that little dog is actually six feet long when you look at it. <laughs> uh, that's right. Right now, the way he's chewing, uh, my hands will be much smaller in another few days. <laughs> <laughs> so another i did want to follow up before we get too deep in questions on the reverb article it was about sustainable hardwoods and such sure um i'm interested in what it is you're looking at in terms of the long-term um growth i would say of the company in sustainable woods and in um I don't know what do you see being the, the the best choices for sustainable woods going into the next 10, 20, 50 years? Um, that's, that's really evocative. Um, uh, you know, simply put, uh, I want to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem of uh, uh, deforestation and all the ills that come along with that. So when I say responsible harvest, it actually covers a wide gamut of uh, practices. Uh, reclamation is one of the best because that means we're dealing with old timbers and there's, uh, we've discussed the, the tonal advantage of old wood versus new wood. 
Um, and also, if we're dealing with the downed tree, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not cutting a tree to get our materials. Um, uh, another way is, uh, uh, you know, lumber and, and wood that has already come from a tree, you know, a generation or two ago, and it's in some inventory, whether that's a carpenter, boat builder, or another guitar maker, uh, as lumber, uh, which is another great way to get it. Uh, we also deal with sustainable yield. Uh, we worked until recently with this practice in the South Pacific where mahogany was planted in World War II, uh, and, uh, actually World War I for boat building um, and because that was Britain's military strength at the time and they wanted to hide their sources from the Germans. Uh, and that, that was still ongoing and we were buying, you know, we were buying wood from uh, living trees that were cut like a crop and then replanted and thus the sustainability of it. Um, that's hard to find uh, because of the life cycle and the time it takes to plant a tree. But we get that, we get that as well. And then there's just responsible forest uh, stewardship where people um, uh, either replant, uh, take care of uh, where the woods come from. Those are all ways to get responsible harvest. So moving forward, what does that mean? I'd like to think it, it would mean that more people will become involved in responsible harvest as a, uh, not only a, a, a for-profit business, which would attract them, uh, but for the right livelihood nature of that, something you could feel good about, would attract more people into that business. Um, needless to say, uh, uh, the, our usage of everything is accelerating. Um, uh, when we started Santa Cruz Guitar Company, there was half as many people in the world as there are today. And we're using at least twice as much of everything. So uh, the use of wood um, has accelerated in my lifetime astoundingly. And it will, again, you know, we're gonna see that kind of growth in population and demand. Um, the big problem with rosewoods right now is they're pretty and there's a, a uh, un unsatiable demand in Asia for anything made out of one of the Dalmergias, one of the rosewoods, whether it's uh, 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 Indian coca bolo, um, uh, uh, you know, some of the others. And people just want stuff made out of wood because it's um, tactile, it's, it's uh, uh, friendly, reminds you of your roots. Um, so with that, what are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to pay more. Um, uh, Santa Cruz Guitar Company is by design uh, modest production. You know, this year we, I, I doubt we topped 500 guitars. And uh, within that, it's manageable both to uh, deal with like-minded people and to get the proper materials, uh, not overrun our resources. It's the, also the reason I don't want to uh, keep the business vital by growing in numbers. I'd rather grow in added value, quality, and uh, the service that we give to other people. So there's, there you go is the simple answer. Uh, we're, we have more access to a lot of woods today than we did 30 years ago, but we pay 10 times the price for them as well. Right, right. I, was, I guess I was just wondering if, there, if you personally had done much experimentation with domestic hardwoods uh, or anything else that you had found were particularly exciting or interesting for, you know, up and coming generations of luthiers when they get started and they need those materials to start learning their, their craft. Um, yeah. You know, and 
I, it, it, I've seen guitars made out of oak. I've seen, well, you guys have built some beautiful guitars out of walnut. Um, right. uh, I don't know. Have you played with the cherries or, or any other fruit woods or anything that you think might be acceptable alternatives? Um, yeah, I understand uh, exactly the nature of your question. And I also talked over you. Go ahead and finish, please. No, that, 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 I, I just wasn't quite sure how to end that. So <laughs> oh, good. I helped. <laughs> I help. So um, uh, let's start. Let's start with this. Um, with how, well, let's start with the beginning. Um, you know, in the beginning, uh, utilitarian items and musical instruments so were made out of woods that were in the backyard uh, because there wasn't a distribution network for people uh, a couple of centuries ago to get wood from exotic locales, and they made it out of what was there. Um, uh, the the woods that we traditionally associate with steel string guitars or even classical guitars um, are really are uh, hand in hand with what we we uh, thought went into really nice furniture or architectural elements in the past. So mahogany uh, and uh, uh, rosewoods, for instance, um, rosewood is valued for its beauty. Um, and mahogany is valued because the tree itself is like a big piece of cake. Uh, there's such a spectacular yield out of it, and it's so consistent. Uh, and you can stain it to look like most any other wood in the world. So once uh, people started, you know, the uh, Spanish builders uh, and the furniture people in Europe could source mahogany out of South America, it was a godsend. It's a favorite of woodworkers for forever because of its workability, uh, stability, weights of strength, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we inherited the rosewood and mahogany uh, phenomenon. It's not because those were the best woods for guitars. It's just followed popular culture and what the demand was. So we're used to that, those tones, the tones of that wood. But uh, the, we, we talk about alternatives, and they're truly not, they're only alternatives to tradition. They're not alternatives to the quality or the, the, the first choice. So making a guitar out of uh, walnut, um, koa, kokobolo, any, any of those woods is not because we can't get the others. It because it adds a, um, uh, another, uh, another flavor uh, or another color on the palette that we can build with. So you mentioned walnut. Uh, walnut um, is, like, is like koa. It's not too far in tone. But also, walnut can be really, really plain. It can just be a brown wood, uh, like cherry. Cherry is not very exciting to look at. As nice as it sounds, it's just not a very neat wood to look at. Uh, walnut can be awfully, awfully plain. But walnut can also be spectacular in figure. And to get that is just as difficult as it is to get really nice koa. So uh, walnut uh, uh, largely was a byproduct of the commercial uh, walnut industry. And the black walnut was used as the trunk of the tree because it was resistant to bugs. And the ashley or nut bearing part of it was grafted onto it. And it had a life, uh, it had a, a shelf life. After so many years, it wouldn't bear anymore. Uh, they, they'd uh, pull the tree out and plant new ones. And that's how it went. And that wood became available. And where I grew up, it was plentiful, and it was firewood and fence posts and, and uh, not taken horribly seriously. Um, uh, today, to get really beautiful figured walnut is about the same difficulty as koa. 
Uh, it oh. it uh, was it's really popular in gun stock and again architecture elements. We really have to uh, work. My, fortunately for me, I've got these antique uh, wood contacts. You know, people that go back uh, and families that go back years and years. So I'm I'm on a process right now. It's a little bit of a mission to be able to position walnut as a serious tone wood, not as an alternative, certainly not as a cheaper uh, uh, alternative to the other woods, but as a beautiful wood in its own. So uh, my motivation for that is it's a beautiful wood, it sounds great, but also it is sustainable at this point. You know, it's planted, it grows, can be cut. And uh, so you'll be seeing more of that. I think oak is a spectacular wood. I love it. You know, people, uh, you know, people started religions over oak trees, as you know, because of their beauty. And I'd like to experiment with that. You were kind enough to give us a piece of Japanese. Uh, uh, I don't know if you would call it silver oak or not. What What would you name that wood? I, white I, or? I think it's just white oak. I don't know. It was I was yeah. told that that was specifically cut to make a kana or plain bodies. Um, yeah. That's why yeah. it's all nicely quarter sawn and such, but, uh, you know, stories well, we're, are stories. We'll do it. And we'll, I don't want to get too far afield here. My point with this is, is the woods that we come up with uh, to make guitars aren't a guess. Uh, they're, not, they're not a desperation move to try something that's not expensive or it's not a rosewood. They're, they're, they're choices. And we work with, uh, uh, like, the... Um, uh, uh, Forest Research Lab, um, uh, you know, University of uh, Arizona, some of the other places that have uh, dendrochronology and, and forestry programs to determine if a wood is uh, has the potential for good, uh, good tone, workability, durability. Because you know, we're selling somebody it's something's a lifetime investment. We're not going to mess around with taking chances with it. So when we introduce a new wood, we already believe in it. And uh, uh, you'll see more and more of us as we go. I think it is the I think it is the future in that regard because uh, the other woods will be vacuumed up. Now I, I don't mean to be boastful here, but with our resources, we're talking about families that that have become friends, and in several cases, I'm in the third generation of uh, fam of family uh, that we get our wood from, and so those those sources are secure, but we're going to pay dearly for them. You know, there'll there'll be a time when somebody's go, wow, that's made out of wood. So so let me kind of put you on the spot a little bit further here with with your Good. expertise in building just wonderful sounding and playing guitars. Do you think you're going to be able to help steer the market away from the unsustainable woods? into the more sustainable species by proving to guitarists and musicians that these materials can make amazing guitars. Well, that's a pretty bold statement. And there could be a lot of hubris behind that in thinking that we have that kind of influence. But, you know, we're getting near 50 years into this. We've already done that. You know, yeah. we've already influenced the industry and other makers in how they look at it. And some companies, I'm proud to say, promote that as, uh, 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 as their uh, company's ethos. Um, we still see companies that every once in a while spring a green uh, limited edition. Uh, right. on it. But so what? That's still going the right direction. Uh, we don't need credit for um, uh, uh, treating wood with respect like that. Uh, I'm really happy to see it 
happening. And I think we'll see more. Uh, I think we'll see more of that as time goes on. And, uh, you know, we, we personally have this conversation, but for the sake of the a public aspect of it, when we reintroduced COA into the market in the mid 70s, and I say reintroduced because during the Hawaiian music craze of the 20s and 30s, it was prevalent in ukes and guitars and so forth. But then it disappeared and nobody knew what it was. Uh, or I would say the public in general didn't know what it was when we reintroduced it in the 70s. And it was a really hard thing to do and get credibility for. Uh, it wasn't until I convinced uh, Bob Taylor and Chris Martin to give it a try that people begin to go, oh, co is a guitar wood, uh, not just a novelty. Uh, but today, for us to introduce a new wood, uh, we have the um, you know, enough history, enough credibility that people just assume we know what we're doing when we introduce a new wood. And you see that more and more in the bigger companies. So yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think our influences shows, and I think also it's been either amplified uh, by other people or the nature of simultaneous discovery. When an idea is right, uh, one person doesn't come up with it. People come up with it all over the world. Right, right. I think that, that, that's kind of what I was, was thinking that you might say, because I, I think that's one of the great advantages of Santa Cruz guitars and, and your work is, um, you know, not being necessarily cutting edge, but following the tradition, but at the same time holding a level of standard that may not be as consistent among other um, builders. So I'm well, excited you know, to see what's there's a com that, Yeah, there's absolutely a compliment in there. Um, we just don't, you know, in the past, certainly, but even today, we don't, we, we're not loud enough uh, to change trends, but we can get the attention of people that are loud enough to change the world and what they do. And this is where, uh, you know, uh, Taylor with their, their marketing abilities and just the amplitude that they can do things, um, uh, being first can get swallowed up in a hurry uh, by somebody that promotes like that, but they do, their, they do that service for us and we get, uh, credit, get credibility by association. So we don't have to have the credit to be first to get the benefit is my point. I think it's fair to say that serious musicians take Santa Cruz guitar seriously. I like that. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll send you a transcript. It's a little too much to put on the peg head. But we just, you know. <laughs> All right. Enough with being serious. Do we have some other good questions from the forum, uh, Mr. Newman, that we should be asking? Um, well, all questions are good questions. Well, that's true. Yes. You know, um, let me take a look here through this while we're, um, while I'm looking for this, why don't you, uh, what about summer? Nam, what about summer Nam, Richard? I'm, I am fascinated that the Dallas guitar show is happening this weekend. Yeah. Um, I think it's well, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of yeses and nos uh, <laughs> about that, about that event. Well, um, I, you know, I, I, I should be really, really cautious about this um, because, you know, I, I've been at this long enough. People do uh, sometimes take my opinion seriously. And uh, I've told you before, I usually will warn you if I venture into opinion rather than fact. So I'm going to say, 
a big, big alert red light warning here. I'm, I'm venturing into opinion based on my experience. Um, there's a, a, a great old truism that you don't miss your water till your well runs dry. And uh, uh, kind of the other side of that coin is uh, things that you may have thought were uh, absolutely essential without question, you didn't question until you couldn't have it or do it and you realized it turned out to be not that big a deal. Um, so there was a time when uh, uh, we couldn't be who we are without the NAM show. Uh, unless we had a presence at the NAM show back in the analog days, you know, pre-internet, uh, to, to get credibility year after year after year, or go to the music mess in Frankfurt. And the, and the uh, wisdom there was, you have to go six years in a row before people will stop and talk to you uh, to get credibility. Um, uh, today, you know, not, not so much. But the trade shows were essential for us to break through from being the neighborhood guitar maker to having uh, a global presence. And in our price range, we need a global market and a global presence. So the NAM show was essential for that. Uh, that's where we developed our relationships. We maintained our relationships on and on and on and on. So uh, today, not going to the winter show last year, um, probably saved us $30,000. And we don't see a difference in our bookings, uh, our demand. I love it. Um, and, and that's, you know, uh, I love NAM. I love what they do for us. I love their services. And I love the trade show because, you know, people that I have that are friends that are, that, that, that are quality relationships like I have with you two, uh, I developed and I maintain them at the NAM show. You know, it's a good thing to do. But the nature of the trade show in general, uh, whether it's uh, consumer electronics or cosmetics or food, um, has really changed with the prevalence of the internet and how people do business. Uh, what used to be only done at the show is now done every day online. So I'm, I'm not saying that the trade show is obsolete. And for anybody trying to position themselves in the market, the NAM show is a must. Uh, but when it came down to uh, us, us remaining safe and our and our employees remaining safe, it was an easy choice not to go to the show and protect ourselves from exposure to COVID. So we didn't go to the winter show and we won't be going to the summer show. Uh, I'm debating whether or not I should have a presence there. In other words, go show up and uh, see and be seen, uh, but I'm still really cautious here. I've got you know, family members that, that uh, could, could live through exposure and I've got uh, people I love that I work with that I don't want exposed. So it's still a hard decision. Don't you wish I could answer a question in like 10 words or less? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think, I, I think it's a, I think it's a question for all of us. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I read a lot of these trades and I see now that they're announcing CES for 2022 yeah. in Vegas. If you've ever been to the CES show, um, I, I got to think that that's the granddaddy of them all, except maybe for some of the big German shows. But yeah. CES is CES is is enormous. I, I I did interviews there one one year for five days, and I think I put about sixty miles on my shoes because the it's you know it's just it's basically it's enormous, 
And what do we need it for? You know, that's, I mean, a, that's an excellent, excellent question. I mean, what do we need it for? If it's a party, call it a party. You know, if it's, yeah. a, net, if it's a networking, a networking event and you're there and you're there to see friends and stuff like that, call it that. But don't don't attach some. Other, I'm sorry. I'm on a soapbox here. I'm really sorry. But you can do that. We'll take turns. <laughs> don't 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 attach that your company needs to do this to be vital and they need to spend our shows in New York cost us two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars to do. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. You know, and and most of that is in hotel rooms and food. And what do we get back out of that? You know, what do you have to make yeah. it to, 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 to cover $250,000 worth of expenses? How much do you have to make? Oh, man. Well, there's a, uh, there's a formula there somewhere for that. But it is contextual, you know, and it has to do with... Uh, uh, you know, timeline and, and where the culture is on it. So the, again, the trade show concept has not become obsolete by any means. It's still very, very valuable. But you ask that question, for me and my company, what's the uh, value? At one time, we, you wouldn't have heard of us without it. And let me give you one context here. The CES um, uh, and uh, probably some other ones used to be part of NAMM. Yeah. Now we'll yeah. pause here. It is like uh, anything that uh, made noise and music and so forth. I was part of the National Association of Music Merchants. Uh, and, and you remember going into, as, as kids for us, you go into the music store and they had radios, record players, uh, maybe even TVs uh, in the show. And it wasn't until the transistor radio hit and all of a sudden it could be sold in the drugstore or the liquor store, or the stationery store, uh, did the consumer electronics boom happen and become an industry unto itself? Uh, so you said the granddaddy of them all. That isn't that interesting to think it it, uh, it goes back to the first people that got together on the flat uh, the flat area of uh, the countryside to uh, uh, trade jawbones and and deer sinew and harps and stuff. You know, the uh, the student becomes the teacher. Yeah, very <laughs> you know? very very neat. And I'm also well, very protective of man as an organization. Uh, I don't want to bite the hand that feeds us. Yeah, no, it's it's it 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 it, 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 it it's fabulous. But I but I think we've all seen that we can do things differently. We uh, can't. We we can we, do things differently. We can, but you know, the one thing that I always thought was most fun about Nam was the very special guitars that got built and displayed there. Sure. And that's where, you know, um, taking advantage of social media and being able to put your guitars out there is really nice. But, you know, Nam was kind of an event that, you know, you guys would always have something just really over the top special to show off. That yeah, when you, when you only have one, uh, uh, you know, one stage event, uh, you've got to... Uh, you know, you really got to make some noise at that. And that was what was behind that new products, uh, new businesses, new ideas, and just to attract the trans attention in the midst of all that hubbub. It, is, it, is it relaxing to you that you don't have to try and come up with something over the top for the show? 
that you can just kind of deal with the normal over the top people are requesting from you? <laughs> no, it, it's not right. It's a little bit stressful and I'll tell you why. Um, as a custom shop, the majority of the instruments that we make are for an individual and they go to the shop they ordered it through and the, and the buyer's instructions were, don't let anybody touch that till I get there. And they open the box and the person takes it home and nobody else ever sees it, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, uh, and the NAMM show gave us the opportunity to show off uh, these custom instruments and uh, really be able to promote what we truly do. Uh, today, we're more known as a custom shop, but that was a real struggle to differentiate ourselves from uh, the other makers um, uh, to really show people what we do. So NAM was a you know, place where not only did the people walk by and saw it, but there was the press and the context. It was very dense and concentrated uh, promotion. And uh, so there's one less place we can show off what we do. But, but look, that's replaced by something like Instagram, where, where every other day, everybody in the world uh, sees what Carolyn's captured. In the in the it's it's incredible. Yeah, and it's yeah. free. Yeah, yeah. But there, yeah. there was that unique pedigree when you saw. Even now, you see a, a guitar for sale, you know, and there's that that this or not disclaimer, but the line in there about this was Santa Cruz Nam show special for yep. you know such and such year, and it's like, ooh, that's that's special, that's extra special. Yeah, and it's so. our context. We value that because of our association and uh, what we remember. Uh, there's other people that go, oh, yeah, Nam, I think I remember hearing about that, you know? What do you think about that thing on TikTok, right? So, uh, you know, it's not like we're not without our opportunity. It's not really lost opportunity. It's just a lost uh, context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too true. Yeah, I, I was just thinking maybe there, there would be like a, uh, an Instagram special guitar. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here, but let me tell you, um, a lot of what NAM does, the, the general public doesn't realize. Uh, the, the, um, uh, they fight for uh, funds for uh, uh, music education in the schools, yeah, yeah. Uh, music awareness in communities, um, uh, legislation that supports creativity, uh, uh, music, um, and uh, philanthropy. And, and the, uh, the legislative uh, stuff that they do to our benefit, you know, we don't really hear about, but it's high horsepower stuff, you know, the things that we could never do individually, but you can do collectively. Yeah. So NAM is like our union, you know, NAM is the one that pitches for us, uh, allows us to sail along and think that business is okay. Um, without it, uh, we'd be up against stuff that we couldn't survive. So I'm, I'm really grateful for them. That's why I'm always hesitant to cast any, any uh, shadow on it because the music, the, the trade show was their biggest source of income. And uh, I hope they can find some alternatives that's going to need to. It's just a, it's just a changing, it's just a changing environment, a changing world. And, yeah, and, yeah and, which can kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, to put a little softer footprint on the planet. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe there's a way to do that, you know. Yeah, it's, it's some things you just thought would never change. It's pretty amazing. And 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 I always looked at that. And and I'm out of the trade show business for eight years, nine years. But I always looked at it and went, 
how can how can we keep doing this? Yeah. You know, how can we keep how can we keep doing this? You know how how can we keep doing this? It's just it, 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 you know when it's eleven thirty at night and 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 your boxes still haven't shown up and you're sitting on the floor in the Javits Center. Oh heck. And. Mm-hmm. And the union guys are going home at midnight, you know, and, and you've got nine people sitting there just waiting to pack boxes, you know. And do I, I get the chemicals going through my bloodstream just hearing that. Just thinking about it. Yeah. And, you, and oh, yeah, food services closed down, what, seven hours? Yeah, so right. Nobody's eaten. Let's see. Nobody's had anything. Everybody's getting a little bit funky. I can't um, do this without beer. Yeah. Well, that, that was always there. But, but then it, it came time when that was gone that food was, food was big. Um, there's a question about opening up on the forum. Uh-huh. Yeah. You use old woods. You know, you're um you're out, you're you're not you're not harvesting stuff that's a week old and, and trying to put it in a guitar by the end of the weekend and and all that. So opening up. Have you talking like a uh, post COVID? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm talking. That was good. That, that, that's that's that's. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm trying to get you kind. A guitar getting better with age, or yeah, yeah. A, a guitar getting better. A guitar getting better with age. Yeah, gotcha. I, I think the context was that that when you build a guitar with wood that's say three thousand years old, um, how much more opening up do you expect? Uh, I mean, uh, and okay. it came up. Well, it, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the question, the question is um, uh, really like um, how, what makes a guitar open up or uh, let's, let's do some myth busting first here. Um, there's a lot of stuff on uh, why a guitar sounds better uh, with age, for instance. And, uh, and we entertain ourselves with that. You know, that's what forums are for. Uh, and uh, it is a, it is a forum for opinions, and that's all okay. Uh, but I'm in a position where people ask me these questions because a, a purchase decision of thousands of dollars may depend on it. Um, so I got to take it real seriously. I'm not the one to give opinions. I'm the one to give uh, the results of uh, uh, good scientific experimentation or facts. So here's the deal, uh, and not my opinion. Uh, what makes a guitar sound better um, uh, and, as opposed to the inherent things that go into it? What makes it change over time? Uh, so there is, is uh, one that's really overlooked. Um, when the instrument's built, uh, you know, a guitar, there's tensions that are created. Uh, you know, uh, wood doesn't grow in the shape of a side. You bend it under tension to create a side. Uh, in some cases, uh, you're putting braces on it and and uh, uh, not not really forcing an assembly, but you're uh, making things fit together uh, under some tension. And uh, when the guitar is strung up, it'll begin a process of trying to seek its own level or the point at which it's no longer having to resist tension. Um, and with that, 
how the guitar is going to become a more relaxed assembly. It's going to become more resonant, more sustained, uh, and, uh, and louder. So just the nature of a guitar aging under string tension is going to, is going to make it sound different over time. Uh, the more, the more, uh, the quicker the guitar is made under the more tension, uh, the longer it'll take for that to happen. And some guitars are made under such circumstances that maybe it will never happen. Uh, let's talk about maybe something made of man-made materials uh, and cast rather than, than fabricated. So one is the release of tensions over time is going to make the guitar sound what we call, let's say, better, you know, uh, louder, more sustained, et cetera. Uh, the other one is the nature of wood itself. You were talking about old wood. Well, we use old wood uh, because it's the right thing to do. We don't have to cut a tree. But also, we're cheating because it sounds better. And here's the phenomenon with that. Um, you know, the living tree circulates uh, uh, the nutrition through the, the, the sticky stuff, uh, you know, the resinous material that moves through the tree. It's uh, the viscosity allows it to um, circulate. But when the tree dies, that stuff uh, stops, it gets stickier and eventually it hardens. And uh, so the difference in a bell made out of uh, honey or one made out of crystal is really obvious. And as these resins, they don't crystallize, um, they polymerize and become harder. So whatever that piece of wood is, a violin, a bookshelf, uh, or a standing dead tree or a tree underwater or a tree in outer space will go through this process of the resins polymerizing and it becoming a more resonant material. So there is something to age with the guitar. And that is that the wood gets more resonant as time goes by. How long does that take? Eh, it would be species specific. And uh, is 3,000 years better than 2,500? I have no idea. You know, uh, I think that somewhere you, you would get a point of really diminishing returns on it. So that's one of the reasons we use old wood is because it sounds like an old guitar sooner. That's the reason that why we build a guitar over a longer period of time and fit things more carefully to have an absence of tension that makes it more resonant to start with. So there's two. Now the third one will sound familiar. <clears throat> People talk about, um, well, the more you play the guitar, the better it sounds. Uh, and to accelerate that, we're gonna put it in front of our speakers and blast the stereo while we're at work and resonate the guitar to make it sound better. And there's some truth to that, but it's not quite as easy as it sounds there. Um, what happens is um, uh, the back, I mean, sorry, the top or the airspace, they'll both have a fundamental frequency. If you had no strings and no way to excite it, that would ring at a certain note if you, if you tapped on it standalone. If the, if the guitar it vibrates at one of those frequencies, it will, uh, it will have an effect on that material and it will make it more elastic and more responsive. And there's a lot of science behind that. Uh, if you want to do it, use a keyword of de-damping, D-A-M-P. Like you ring a bell, you touch it, it dampens it. And in this case, we're de-dampening our bell. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff in the violin tradition whereby, um, you know, one of the trade secrets of the builder may be uh, that that plate that he, that he created for the top and or the back um, that he had an apprentice sit on a stool and flex uh, for hours at a time to build more uh, or create more elasticity. 
uh, one of the analogies I heard is if you, you know, if you ate a, an ice cream and you wiggle the stick back and forth gently enough, you didn't break fibers, but just by working it, you make it more elastic over a couple of hours. And that's the process we're talking about. But it only happens when you excite that wood at that fundamental frequency uh, will it happen. So uh, in, in playing a stereo in front of it, it's like, um, uh, I can't think of a good analogy, but it's like uh, shooting a shotgun at it, but only one of the pellets is going to have an effect on it. So you're making a lot of noise and wasting a lot of time. If you were to excite that instrument at that, at that magic frequency, you could get some results. And there's a lot more there that we want to go into now. But de-damping is an effect, and it's effective more on an instrument that would have been built uh, uh, really stiffly to start with. So I'm going to say this, in, in doing the first two things and choosing old wood uh, that's more resonant and putting less tensions into it, uh, the de-dampening of our guitars will become a much smaller proportion of improvement. And uh, we'll leave that to you to do when you play the guitar. In an instrument that you bought for $200 and you want to wake up, you'd probably get more drama out of that. So there's the reason, there's the, the physics behind what makes a guitar, an older guitar sound better than a new one. And given that, um, old wood is a big part of it. And uh, uh, we'll, you know, we'll do whatever we can to get that. And then let me just pause here and say, by sounding better, what I mean is, um, is more resonant. So uh, uh, it will uh, be more resonant, which makes it louder. And any inherent qualities of, of, uh, that create sustain will be amplified on that. You like that? Works I for like me. Yeah. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna say it just that way again next time. Yeah, it works for me. I, 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 I know. I know we've gone over that in the past, and that was really clear. It's almost like, it, it, and I, I just say the name of the product like a tone right. Well, it's yeah. just vib It's just vibrating on that one frequency. So if you had like an oscillating, a continually oscillating set of frequencies going into it i don't know it just seems like well there's a, a way to do it right yeah you're right well you know the the products that have been made oh man it, you know we 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 um uh have a lot of influence on string manufacturing because of the science we did behind it it's kind of the same way um when you make a uh, uh when when one makes a product for general public use uh, you take some precautions that the least common denominator of the people using it aren't going to knock their head off and sue you, right? So you build in some safeguards uh, with that. And um, uh, in in the case of exciting the guitar uh, to get it to de-damp, um, if you if you were to to uh, if you were to vibrate it at the amount needed to affect change, um, you you take on some risk. You know, you could exacerbate <laughs> a crack or lose braces or uh, it'd knock it, it could rattle its teeth out, right? Yeah. And you'd be buying people for their guitars. So uh, something you're going to put on the mass market would be like pun intended, toned down a little bit. Uh, but you mentioned tone, right? And I think that, that one of the things they did was to have you be able to change the frequency on that, which is going the right direction. But they're also making you playing it safe that you don't damage your guitar with it. You know, um, if you really want to try this on an instrument, uh, talk to me privately and I'll tell you how to set it up. Um, 
with a, a million non uh, 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 caveats not to blame me for what happens. <laughs> it's uh, it, it, is it like hooking up to the tailpipe of a uh, of a of a Harley? <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that's the right idea. Okay. You know, the right. So there's ways to excite the guitar at that frequency and make it work. Um, uh, you just you know you would exercise some caution and realize that it would exacerbate some maybe pre-existing problems with it. Well, so, and I've, I've heard some people on the forum say that they have used uh, a device like that on their guitar. And it's actually made it sound worse over time. That's uh, interesting. Well, you know what? It could have exacerbated the stuff that I was talking about. Let's right. say that there was a, it could have dislodged a brace or something, which was really effective. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I would say be careful. Yeah. Well, now, I have, I, I have to say, way, I have... I have never felt any need to to do anything to any Santa Cruz guitar other than just play it. Um, but thank you. As I said, don't worry. We do that kind of stuff for you um, yeah. uh, to, to as much of an ability we can. And uh, our guitars will sound uh, better with age because no matter how conscious we are, uh, there's tensions in the instrument that will uh, you know, kind of be worked out over time and you will enjoy a more resident instrument. But we're a lot farther along the way to start with than people that don't do that by intent. I think, I, I think something that, that Scott Law said a couple days ago when, when, when we did the, the podcast is really stuck with me. Uh, Tad asking me, he said, so it looks, it's apparent that you have a lot of guitars. And Scott said, you know, I have guitars that do the job. Yeah. I, said, I have this unbelievable O29, and that's the finger picking Delta Blues guitar for me. And he said, my signature model. He said, I can't believe that we got that, that, that we got it as right as we did. You know, uh, and he said, these guitars do a job for me. And in in the vein of his whole mindset. It was absolutely beautiful because he doesn't need to see anything about it. He's completely into the tone and the way it plays and how does it feel for him and what does it do? Does it well, do what he needs it to do? And I, it's just a beautiful, beautiful yeah. explanation of it. And the thing that was so perfect about what he said was how he worked with uh, you, Richard, in terms of, of under, your understanding what it was he wanted to have uh, in terms of tone and playability and everything else. And he says, and I got my guitar and you nailed it. <laughs> he said it was, it was perfect. And he That's said brilliant. it was so good that the more he played it, he realized, wow, what if we could do this, but get a little more of this and a little more of that. And that's actually, I guess, where his signature model came along was uh, he knew that all he had to do was get across to you what it was he wanted and you would make it happen. And I mean, to me, that, that's exactly what your whole custom program is about, that so many people, I don't think they fully understand that it's not just a matter of specifying the inlays or what color you wanted or what sunburst. It's, it's really your ability to understand what the musician wants in an instrument and create that instrument. Um, and and he 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 made it. He he just laid it on the line. You you nailed it for him, and I thought that, that, that was that, great. That should be a T-shirt. That's beautiful. <laughs> I thank you for that. It's really really hard to describe that service 
uh, that we do. Um, it's like, doesn't every company say they make the best sounding guitar possible and, and uh, you get everything you want? So in all that noise that, you, that we can custom uh, build for somebody's uh, tonal preferences is uh, sometimes it just goes right by, uh, especially with uh, trying to, to explain to dealers uh, why it's desirable to sell our guitars because we'll do all that work with the customer for them uh, and then the customer comes to them ready to make the payment. And uh, uh, that's, uh, that's not the way it's usually done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it, was, it was absolutely stunning to, to, uh, um, to see and hear that, but. Thank you. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was completely, it was completely magical coming, coming from where he came from. And, and yeah, and, I really enjoy Scott. And, what a and, and that process, well, yeah. And, and it wasn't just Scott. I have to say, Richard, one of the, the big takeaways from the podcast we've been doing, um, talking to and working, you know, through um, the Santa Cruz experience with all the different artists that we've spoken to, so many of them don't really know anything about their Santa Cruz guitar other than how it plays and how much they love it. You know, they, <laughs> they, they're the like, I don't know. The top is like some kind of spruce. Richard said it was, <laughs> I don't remember. And then the back is like, uh, I think it's like Rosewood or something, but Oh, it just sounds so good. And it plays so nice. And, you know, for some of us who get a little over, <laughs> over interested in details and specs and numbers and thicknesses and species and ages and whatever else, it's, it's a little bit of a letdown, but ultimately you stop and you realize, well, that's really what it's all about is, is creating a tool that this musician is so in love with that lets them go out and, and create this wonderful experience for a whole bunch of other people. And for themselves. And for themselves, yes. And for themselves. They're creating that experience for themselves and they do it and they do it. And it, it just, it, it's like gasoline on a fire. Yeah. Well, you could really, you could really see that with Scott and, and especially some of the others, but it's just gasoline on a fire that now I got this tool that's like letting me just yeah. let the horses out of the barn, you know? Well, it's, it's the for ourselves that people like me buy a Santa Cruz guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, you've been unbelievably gracious with your day. We're going to let you go. It's uh it's a, a beautiful day to be inside. <laughs> is, it, is it foggy up there? No, it's, it's absolutely stunning. The, yeah, the colors are all saturated. Things are super green. And uh, uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go in there where no windows are and do some guitar making. Yeah. I was and, in, I was in Watsonville this well, morning. For well, let me turn it back to you guys. Um, I, I am, I'm delighted to participate in this service you do for, People on the forum and others to uh, present the, the the facts about how their guitars work and how to get what they want. You know, we live in a, a world of so much marketing and and deception and nonsense. Um, uh, it, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to find the real stuff. Well, well, before we actually before we actually let you go, I have one last question, and that is. 
have there been any discussions as to when we're going to be able to actually get together with you and do this over lunch again? Um, you know, it's a progression. And uh, I think everybody is aware of that, that, that puts any thought into it. Um, you know, we're, we're like 14 months maybe in, yeah. in to this since we first were forced to shut down. And in the very beginning, uh, we took such extreme caution uh, in everything that we did. Uh, and you look at it today, we're relatively relaxed, but we still are really cautious. Yeah. So um, I'd say, uh, you know, a, a good portion of us are fully vaccinated. The rest of them are partially vaccinated and uh, we don't have any hesitancy within the shop. So we're all on the right track. We still, uh, uh, of course, wear masks as we know the vaccines are, let's say if they're 97% uh, effective, uh, there's three poor souls out of every hundred uh, that could get it wearing a mask and doing doing all the things. So we still exercise the precautions, including uh, we're not doing uh, tours uh, or having visitors in the shop at this point. But like you said, it's progressive, and I'm looking forward to that step because having people come and visit and see what we do is our best uh, goodwill measure. It really helps people understand uh, uh, who we are, um, what our purpose is, truly is what our message is and I can't wait to get back into it so I can't give you a date but it's looking you know at, at times it looks very promising that it should only be you know uh weeks or months and then we get this heartbreaking news uh of of India for example mm, where right. people are suffering worse than they've ever suffered before and uh you know I'm going to take just pause there the message for everybody is like you know I think it's really this simple are you going to look out for yourself or are you going to look out for each other? And uh, that's really what I want to impress on us is we'd like to get back to normal, uh, but not at the expense of anybody's uh, health and safety. So good luck. I hope I see you soon. <laughs> that's what we're hoping to. Yeah. Now, now, now the shop is, is where I, I am concerned about exposure. Uh, for you guys to come over and us to uh, uh, keep a distance and do this, we could. You know, we can find a way to do that safely. And uh, so don't hesitate to propose Let's, that. We'll give it a shot. We'll, let, we'll make that a goal for our next interview in the next couple of months. Okay. We'll have to have three laptops and have to be looking at each other. <laughs> I, I, we'll be, we'll be set, it, set I up in the room facing each other with three <laughs> laptops, talking to three laptops. I can just see it. Oh, no, I think we should have one in the finishing room, one in the assembly room, and one in the office. Just Why like. not? They'll just spread it. Yeah. On skates. <laughs> Why not? Well, if I, if I may, let me just, as uh, briefly as I can here, I, I just want to give a gratitude for our customers, our vendors, our dealers, because the thing that pulled us through COVID uh, was the goodwill from the people that we do business with. And that, of course, is in return for us treating people reasonably, uh, you know, over the uh, time before that. And, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, being nice to others uh, as a reward unto itself. But this was a chance to really see it in practice where people went out of their way to uh, uh, forgive us, wait for us, uh, uh, let it happen under COVID circumstances. And. And uh, uh, don't get me wrong, we needed payroll protection and 
emergency disaster loans from the government, uh, but that wouldn't have done it without the uh, care and goodwill of everybody and helped out, including you guys in the forum. So thanks for what you do. Thank you for thank, thank yeah. thanks for the thank, thank thank thanks for what you do. Um, if you could stay on with me after we we wrap up just for a quick second, I I just need to sure do thing. a little housekeeping. Um, All right, we'll, we're we'll good. See, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for bringing the doggy, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Say, yeah say let's goodbye, see Come on. Say goodbye. Up, oh, it's an ear. <laughs> yep, there he is. He's asleep now. Take care. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't even know how to get the thing aimed. There we go. There he is. Look Thank at that. You, Dad. Oh, he's asleep. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. See you All soon. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. For more music-related fun, please join the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at scgcpf or santacruzguitarplayers.com. If you have any questions or possible podcast topics, please contact us. If you have a product or service that you feel would be of value to our listeners, please consider adding your support and keeping the coffee pot on. Contact us for more information. We ask that you hit the like, follow, bell, or bookmark buttons so we can keep you informed of upcoming podcast episodes. We hope you enjoyed Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Now it's time to go play your guitar.